0: when my daughter ariel was in the 5th grade she got called to the principal's office now ariel is an excellent student and she's very well behaved and she had no clue why she was being called to the principal's office she thought she was in some kind of trouble or that she had done something wrong and so when she was telling us about this i asked her well how did you like how did you feel when when all that was going on and she said daddy i was i was really nervous i was really scared i I had sweaty hands, like my hands were sweaty. I was nervous. I was just sitting there in the office and other kids would walk by and they would just look at me because I'm sitting right outside the principal's office. And so they're looking at me and I I could see it on their face like, boy, what did she do? Like, oh, she did something. She's here at the principal's office. Ooh, she's in trouble. And teachers would walk walk by me and just look at me and daddy, it felt felt really, really bad. Well, it turns out that it was nothing bad at all, all, all the opposite. She had won a contest for an essay that she had written, and the principal was calling her to congratulate her and tell her that she had won. But I find it interesting that when she was called to the principal's office, the very first thing that came to her mind was, I did something wrong. What are they going to tell me? I'm I'm in trouble. And I wonder if that's ever happened to you. I know it's happened to me. I wonder if it's ever happened to you that that uh, either maybe your your boss or some other leader or someone in authority, they they want to talk to you. You have no idea why, but immediately, your mind goes to the worst. I, I think that's just like a natural human thing that happens to us, right? Have you ever felt like that, like like little, even though you're a grown bro now, you ever felt like that, like a little kid sitting outside the principal's office, everyone just looking at you, everyone whispering, I "Wonder what he did." Oh he's in trouble now sweaty hands nervous have you ever felt that way with god that you kind of sense god wanting you to get close to him but you get nervous and you start thinking well well, well why would why would god want me to get close to him i i bet he, I, I bet i did something wrong you start getting nervous and all that stuff right well there's a story in the bible of a bro who was called Someone called him, an authority figure called him and, and seriously, he, uh, he was pretty nervous. He was pretty nervous when he was called. Let's get started, bro. You're listening to the Christian Bro Code Podcast, a discipleship podcast for men, dedicated to adding value to your spiritual growth with your host, Mario Escobedo. What's up, bro? Hey, what's up, bro? Welcome to the Christian Bro Code Podcast. This is episode number three. This is the Men's Discipleship Podcast, dedicated to adding value to your spiritual growth. I am your host, Mario Escobedo. And hey, first thing I want to tell you is that I want you to join the conversation. I don't want this to be just me talking at you or talking to you. I want you to join the conversation. And the way to do that is to join the Christian Bro Code Facebook group. You can do that by going to my website, MarioEscobedo.com. There's a button right there that says, click here to join the conversation. That will get you started to join the Christian Bro Code Facebook group. It's a closed group, which means that you have to ask to be joined. And it's nothing but bros in there. And I I want you to join the conversation maybe you have a prayer request, maybe you have a victory report, something you want to share with us, maybe some kind of a reflection on the podcast or something that you heard or something you just want to share with us. That's the place to do it. It's okay to do it in there. Join the conversation because, hey, bros don't need to hear just from me. They don't need to hear from just one bro. They need to hear from you too. I guarantee you that you've got something to share that other bros are gonna appreciate and it's gonna be helpful to other bros. So join the conversation. Also, I always mention this, but I'm recording in the real world. That means I don't have a professional recording studio. I'm doing this at a space in my house that my wife has generously given given to me for this purpose. So from time to time, you're gonna hear dogs barking. You might hear a lawnmower, the neighbors, dishes and pots clanging, kids screaming, all that stuff. Don't worry, we're just gonna ignore those distractions. Power on. Because that's what Christian bros do the big idea for today's conversation. Here's the big idea: God isn't mad at you, bro. you ever asked a bro why are you mad, bro? Why are you mad? or well, let me tell you something. God isn't mad at you, bro. God isn't mad at you, and i want I want us to look at a story. You, most of the stories that I'm sharing with you, you've heard them before, you've read them before. This is a story that took place during the time that King David was on the throne. Hadn't been on the throne for too, too long, but he's king of Israel now. This is in Second Samuel chapter 9, all right? 2 Samuel chapter 9, David is king in Israel. And so this story takes place in chapter 9 of Second Samuel. Let me read the first verse to you. I'm not going to read the whole story. I'm just going to choose certain verses From chapter nine, but this is how the story starts. He calls his servants together and he asks the following question in verse one Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, we're introduced to some characters here. You probably know some of these characters. Saul was Israel's first king. Now, he's dead by now, but Saul was Israel's first king. And then David says, I want to show kindness for Jonathan's sake. You probably already know this, but Jonathan was Saul's son, and he also happened to be, Jonathan was David's best friend. He happened to be David's best friend. Now, we read earlier in the story that David and Jonathan had made a pact. They made this bro oath with each other, right? David swore to Jonathan that he would always take care of Jonathan's descendants, and so This is the reason why David is asking, is there anybody left of Saul's descendants, of Saul's house, because I want to fulfill this covenant that I made with Jonathan to show kindness to them. So he repeats the question in verse 3. Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness? And then there's this guy named Ziba, and Ziba was a servant. He used to be a servant of Saul, and now he's with David. And Ziba answered the king, and he said, you know what? Yeah, there is still a son of Jonathan. So that would have been Saul's grandson. There is still a son of of Jonathan. And then he says, he's lame in both feet. That means he's, he's crippled. He's disabled in both feet. And then we jump over to verse five, and it says, so... King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amio. That's, that means that he brought this guy, Mephibosheth, he brought him to where he was. Verse 6, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Verse 7, don't be afraid, David said to him. Now, that's that's interesting to me, that when Mephibosheth comes to David, that he bows down, and the first thing that David tells him is, don't be afraid. Why? Why? Well, what did David see in Mephibosheth that made him say, don't be afraid? Moreover, I would ask, why was Mephibosheth afraid when he came to David? Now, I think this is solid. Here's, Here's why I think Mephibosheth was afraid. Two reasons. Two reasons Mephibosheth was afraid. Number one, we find out in the verses that we read that Mephibosheth was Saul's grandson. Okay? Saul's grandson. That's what we know. He's Saul's grandson. Now, why is that important to the story? Well, if you remember from reading the Bible, you'll remember that Saul had tried to kill David on numerous occasions. Several times, Saul tried to kill David. He chased him through the desert, There was one time when David was playing the harp for Saul to calm him down because the Bible says that from time to time an evil spirit would come to torment Saul. And one of the only things that would calm Saul down is when David would play his harp and maybe even sing to him. On one of those occasions when David was calming Saul down by playing the harp and singing to him, the Bible says that Saul reached for his spear and he hurled it at David trying to kill him. And then like I said, Saul chased David through the wilderness, through the desert, into caves, had people going after him, just wanted him dead, killed. That's it. Finito, nothing. Saul had tried to kill David numerous times. And now here you have Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson. And when Mephibosheth heard that David had found him, (laughs) heard that David was looking for him, and that David had called him to the palace, he was probably thinking, all right, well, I've had a good life. You know what? It ra. i I've, I've lived a good life. David's been looking for me. He found me. He's probably looking for revenge for the way my grandfather treated him. And you know what? David had the right to do it. If David wanted to kill Mephibosheth and if David wanted to seek revenge for what Saul had done to him... David had the right to do it. I mean, nothing was, I mean, everything that Mephibosheth was was thinking was right. My grandfather tried to kill him. Uh, All those things, all of that was right. He had no clue. I'm thinking that he had no clue about this pact that David had made with Jonathan to take care of his descendants. He probably didn't even know that. So Mephibosheth was afraid, and David had to tell him, don't be afraid, because I can guarantee you that Mephibosheth thought, this guy is going to kill me, and he has the right to do it. Essentially, here's what I see happening. Mephibosheth was ashamed, and he was afraid because of his past. Now, it wasn't necessarily his past, technically speaking, but his family's past and what had happened in the past in terms of his life and his family— And Mephibosheth had every right to be ashamed and afraid because of his past. He should have been afraid. He should have been ashamed of what his grandfather Saul tried to do to David. He should have been. But he didn't know that what David was doing and the reason David was calling him wasn't to get revenge, wasn't to kill him. It was to extend God's mercy to him. And here's what I think that happens with a lot of bros a lot of Christian bros even, you want to get close to God. You try to get close to God, but all of a sudden you become ashamed or afraid because of your past. Because of stuff that you've done, stuff that you've said, people that you've wronged, stuff that's happened in your past, stuff that makes up the the story of your past. And you're, you're ashamed of that. And you're afraid of that. And you know what? You should be. You you should, every single one of us, I've got stuff in my past that make me feel ashamed and afraid when I want to get close to God. We we should be afraid. We should be ashamed of our past in that sense, just like Mephibosheth was. And you know what? Just like David had every right to get revenge against Saul by killing Mephibosheth. You may not like the way this sounds, but I think this is biblically accurate, biblically true. God has every right to punish us for our sins. For every offense that we have committed against him, God has every right to punish us without mercy. And so yeah, sometimes when we want to get close to God, we feel ashamed. We feel afraid. We should. And we we think that maybe God is calling us close to get close to Him just because He wants to punish us. Just because He's looking for the right moment to punish us. But that's not what God wants to do. That's not what God is looking to do. God wants to extend mercy. God isn't mad at you, bro. And if you feel this, this tug in your heart to get closer to God, but your past is it's kind of holding you back because you're ashamed of it. And you say, how can I possibly go into a church? I'd feel like such a hypocrite because of everything I've done, uh, everything that's in my past. I'd feel like such a hypocrite. How could God ever possibly want to have anything to do with me because of my past? Again, you're right. No one's going to argue with you. You're right. We, we shouldn't be able to come close to God because of what we've done in the past. But that's not God. God isn't mad at you, bro. God wants you to come close to you, and he wants to extend mercy to you. God isn't mad at you, bro. Now, what would be another reason? What's the other reason that I see that Mephibosheth was afraid to come to David? Again, he comes and he he bows down before him. He says, "I'm your servant." And David says, "Bro, don't, don't don't be afraid, bro." Well, the first reason he was he was Saul's grandson. The second reason here's what I think. The second reason Mephibosheth was afraid when he came before David. We actually find that up in verse three, when David is asking, "Is there anybody left that I can show mercy to? Anybody from the house of Saul or the house of Jonathan?" to whom I can show mercy. Ziba, remember he answered the following, there is still a son of Jonathan. And then this is what he says. This is how he describes the son of Jonathan or Mephibosheth. This is what he says. He's lame in both feet. He's crippled in both feet. Now, I guess I get it. I guess I understand. But why would Ziba have to describe Mephibosheth that way? I mean, mean, again, I, I think I get it. I think I understand, but it's just interesting to me that Ziba, of all the ways he could have described Mephibosheth, he chooses to describe his defect. He's lame in both feet. He's crippled in both feet. And here's, here's what I think is happening. For Mephibosheth, his defect, I'm going to put that in like in quotes, his defect had become his identity. He became known as the guy who was lame in both feet. Now, I, I don't know if Mephibosheth had some kind of a trade or a job or if he was doing something in the town where he was living. I, I have no clue. We find out later that he did have a family, like kids and stuff. But I, I don't know. But but the thing that Ziba chose to use to identify Mephibosheth was his handicap. It was his, his defect his defect had become his identity. His identity was all wrapped up in his defect. And so I think this was another reason potentially that Mephibosheth was afraid to go before David. He probably thought that David was going to ridicule him in front of everybody because of his defect. Hey, look at this, bro. Look Look at his feet. Oh, man, look at his feet. They're all weird and, and all, all crooked and all, uh, oh, look at, look at this bro. Look at him, right? Hey, come, come here. Come look at this bro. Hey, take a selfie with me and this bro's feet. Look, take it. Put this up on Facebook. Look at this bro. Have you ever seen feet like this, bros? He probably thought that David was going to ridicule him. Maybe say something like, this is what happens. Everybody, gather around. Come on. Look at this bro's feet. Yeah, take a good look at them. This is what happens when someone tries to touch the Lord's anointed this is the result. Saul was persecuting me, Saul was following me, and look 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 at what happens. Look at what happens. Now, why why how did Mephibosheth end up this way? This is just kind of parenthetical to it. When, when Jonathan and da- and Saul died in battle. We're told that Mephibosheth was in a house with his caretaker she scooped him up and started running, and he fell, and that's where he broke both feet. Now, why, why was she running? Well, it was custom at that time that whenever a king died and a new king came to the throne, that new king would kill, annihilate all of the family of the previous king so that nobody would be in line to take the throne, so that nobody would be there to pose a threat to the new king. And so Mephibosheth is there, and he's probably thinking something like, man, He's going to make fun of me and he's finally going to kill me so that there's no threat to his throne at all. He's, he's going to ridicule me because everybody knows me by my defect and, and everybody knows why I have this defect. Everybody knows why my feet are like this. It's because of what happened when my grandfather died. And there was this label on Mephibosheth, the cripple, the guy who's lame in both feet. This label was put on him. And you know... Today we still put labels on people. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they tell you, "Hey, uh, the other day I was I was talking with um, I'm just going to make up a name here. I was talking to Pete." You know Pete, right? Pete, uh yeah, I know a bunch of Peets. Uh, you know, you know that bro, the guy who got divorced. Oh yeah, Pete. And we we put we put labels, right? Maybe you've been labeled. And maybe the the way people identify you is by the label that They've put on you, or maybe the label you've put on yourself, but there's this label on you that kind of highlights your, in quotes, your defect. Maybe the label people have put on you is uh the guy who got divorced, the guy who's on his second marriage, the bro who's on his third marriage, the loser. Oh yeah, the bro who can't hold a job. Yeah, yeah, that that bro. Oh, the deadbeat dad. Yeah, that that bro. Maybe they've maybe they've put a label on you. And, and you you've you've become convinced that your defect or that label that someone has put on you that that's your true identity and because of that you you don't want to come close to god because it's not just your past that frightens you it's not just your past that you're ashamed of it's it's your right now that you're ashamed of too you're, you're like I'm, I'm defective i've got this label on me i'm I'm defective, and so the only reason that God would possibly want me to come close to him would be to judge me and to label me and to point out my defects in front of everybody. I know the moment I walk into that church, people are just going to start whispering. People are going to start telling everybody else what they know about me. all my business is going to be out there. Everyone's going to see my label. yeah he's going through a divorce, yeah, yeah yeah. His wife left them yeah he he cheated on her, and now she left him and and she's got the kids yeah and and you're letting your identity get all wrapped up in that label that people are putting you that's what putting on you that's what Mephibosheth was afraid of my label my defect and that that keeps us from coming close to God but listen, God isn't looking to label you God isn't looking to make fun of you. don't let those quote unquote defects hold you back from coming close to God. He's He's calling out to you. Just like I see David in some sense typifying God in this story, calling out and bringing Mephibosheth to where he was. Mephibosheth, in my opinion, in this story kind can, can kind of typify us. And the king called Mephibosheth, not to ridicule him and not to kill him, but to extend mercy to him. I see God calling out to each one of us. and And immediately, We feel as if it's because he wants to punish us or because we did something wrong, either in our past, we're afraid or ashamed of our past, or we're afraid and ashamed of what's going on in our life right now. And those labels that people have put on us or that you've put on yourself, God doesn't see those labels. God doesn't label you that way. He's just calling you to come closer to you because he wants to extend mercy to you. He wants to extend goodness to you, and he wants to take you to a much better place than where you are right now. God isn't mad at you, bro. That's the big idea. God isn't mad at you, bro. Mephibosheth thought that David was mad at him. No, he wanted to extend mercy. And and you might be thinking, God is mad at you. No, he wants to extend mercy and grace and forgiveness and advance you from where you are to where he wants you to be. God isn't mad at you. And in fact, verse 7, David tells him, I'm going to show you kindness because of your father, Jonathan. I'm going to restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. So David, he just gave him back everything that that he had lost. Everything he had lost, God restored everything that he had lost. And, and notice what it says, and I'm going to read verse 13 because it repeats it. Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And then it still ends the story this way. He was lame in both feet. <laughs> now here, Here's what I see. He's eating at the king's table. Anyone who saw Mephibosheth at the king's table probably knew about his background, probably knew about his story, about Saul and all that stuff. But when they see him eating at the king's table, they knew that the king had forgiven him. There he is. He's, he's right there. He's eating with the king at the king's table. The king has forgiven him. And you know what? God wants you to eat at his table, there's forgiveness for anything that's happened in your past. That's that's fantastic. That's so miraculous. That's so amazing to me. And you know the other thing? When Mephibosheth is sitting at the king's table, nobody could see his feet. His feet are hidden. His defect is hidden. If, If nobody knew Mephibosheth and they walked in, they didn't know that he was lame in both feet. They just saw somebody sitting at the king's table. You know? God doesn't want you to hold on to your defects. I'm not saying that, but look, Mephibosheth still had his defect, but it didn't exclude him from sitting at the king's table. Don't think that your defect, no, don't don't hold on to it. You know, you want to build in character, you want to get over that stuff, and that stuff is holding you back. But that doesn't exclude you from sitting at the king's table. God isn't mad at you, bro. I want you to take that big idea with you. God He's not mad at you, bro. All right, bro. That's it for this episode. I hope this added value to your spiritual growth. And again, I want you to join the conversation. Go to my website, marioescobedo.com. Click on the button that says, click here to join the conversation. That sounded weird, right? I was going to say it in Spanish. or so Mario Escobedo or marioescobedo.com takes you to the same place. No worries. Click here to join the conversation. That'll get you started on joining the Facebook group, the Christian Bro Code Facebook group, where we can converse and talk and encourage and pray for one another. Also, join my mailing list. That way you'll be notified every time I produce a new teaching, marioescoberto.com forward slash subscribe. And if you found this, on, this podcast on iTunes or really from wherever you found it, YouTube, SoundCloud, wherever, just subscribe. Leave a review. Leave some comments when you do that, that makes it easier for other bros to find this podcast and to add value to their spiritual growth. And I always say this, I'm not asking you to leave a good review. I'm asking you to leave an honest review. That's, that's a lot more valuable for me. So if you would, I'd appreciate you doing that. And hey, keep coming back. Keep listening to the Christian Bro Code podcast. Definitely join the conversation. I look forward to talking to you later. All right, bro? I'll talk to you later.